You're listening to the On The Rise podcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs as we make our way to the top. Here is your host, known as the property shark, Mr. John Lee. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's John Lee here, also known as The Property Shark, and welcome back to another episode of the On The Rise podcast. Today, we have Richard joining us. Richard, thank you so much for your time. Hey, John, thanks. Thanks for having me on this uh, podcast. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. Um, So, Richard, for people that don't know about you, I know you're quite well known in in, in the Vancouver community here locally, but for people that haven't heard about you, um, could you give our guests a quick introduction about yourself? Yeah, so the sort of the the long short of myself is, uh, you know, I'm a local guy, Vancouver born, raised, uh, did my degree in psychology at UBC, did a stint at the bank kind of briefly, and now uh, I'm in the world of entrepreneurship. Uh, currently, I'm, uh, I started a digital marketing agency called Memento Digital. And in a nutshell, what we do is digital marketing for mortgage brokers. So we work with brokers across Canada and the U.S. to really grow their businesses. That's, that's, that's awesome, Richard. Um, I, I'd be curious to, to, to kind of ask you, um, you know, where did the initial itch for entrepreneurship happened? I mean, like, did you grow up around like family who were entrepreneurs? Like, have you always had a passion for business and entrepreneurship? Like, where did that fire kind of start? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, it's a good question, uh, John. To answer that, uh, yes. Like my parents were both uh, self-employed, if you will. Um, They were both in the financial industry. So they're both, you know, financial advisors that were self-employed and just kind of growing up around that, um, you know, I got to see a lot of the, uh, both sides of entrepreneurship, uh, you know, for lack of a better, better term, right? So, you know, obviously the the uh, you know the struggles uh, with it, right? Growing a business and and um, you know hustling and grinding hard. Um, at the same time, some of the benefits, right? Um, my dad uh, drove us around in high school to our high school basketball games, and he was there for almost every game. Like he had time to, you know, uh, be around me and 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 to to raise me essentially. That's really, really cool. Um, and then, so you've always had the entrepreneurship itch, um, I guess, um, quickly, like when you were kind of picking your discipline when you graduated, like, was there a reason why you decided to go with psychology? Just uh, not really. It was just, I was kind of, I never really did that well in school. And um, to be completely honest with you, by the third year, I really wanted to, to drop out. And, um, you know, I was like, it's kind of going through the motions. I'm like, okay, well, what what discipline uh, is like, quote unquote, uh, you know, straightforward enough that and uh, applicable enough that I would, you know, um, be able to do something with it, or at least try to do something with it. And, you know, in the third year, my dad was like, you know what, just get just get your piece of paper, right? Just, you know, walk across the stage, um, you've already put three years in. And at this point, uh, you know, just get it done. And uh, for me, I mean, you know, as a young kid wanting to really wanted to give up for the first, you know, one of the uh, first big kind of milestones in my life. Uh, that was, um, for me, that was a, one of my biggest milestones. It's like, 
uh, having a, a moment of completion in something that was very significant in my life. So it's like walk, walk the stage. Uh, and then at that point, uh, kind of ironically enough, I got a job. <laughs> my parents, I think my parents were like really risk averse um, as well, you know, both being uh, financial people. So like, oh, go get a job, you know, the bank sounds good. I'm like, okay. And at that point I was working both at CIBC and at Club Monaco. So I was like, you know, folding clothes, uh, and, uh, I guess folding, you know, pre-approval letters at, at the bank. Um, and you know, once I graduated, the bank was like, okay, uh, you know, you seem like, you know what you're doing. Uh, do you want an office? You know, I was a teller at the time. I'm like, yeah, sure. So I started climbing the ranks of the bank <laughs> and, uh, you know, I did that for five years, um, really learned everything I could learn. And what was really surprising to me at the bank and what still irks me to this day is the fact that uh, I had to learn all my financial literacy um, from my, you know, not only from my parents you know, growing, growing up around that, but from the bank as well. Um, I think, you know, you're, you're probably a sa the same generation as I, John, and, and like, like, what kind of financial literacy did you learn uh, at school? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, honestly, I don't recall school teaching me about financial literacy i think it was again my sense of curiosity um, and passion for business and entrepreneurship that really led me down the path of um, reading books and so i think i learned about like the idea of like financial literacy from like rich dad poor dad i don't know uh, robert, Kiyosaki. robert kiyosaki's book yeah yeah really simple um but it just it laid out everything like it just painted a really clear picture in my head of like what direction I should go into in terms of like where I want to be and like what quadrant and all of that. So yeah, like school really didn't teach me about that. Hey, yeah, there, was like, there was like one, I remember there was like one class planning 10 or something and they, and they like whipped you through a quick tax return very quick. I'm like, I don't remember any of these lines and you know, yeah, like years later I'm trying to figure out how to do it myself, but I mean, definitely something, you know, a gap in, 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 I think many education systems is really like, you know, what is a bank account? What is a credit card? What is an interest rate? All this kind of stuff. Right. So, um, yeah, definitely, a, definitely a big gap that, um, I felt within the system and, uh, yeah. So like go like kind of climbing the ranks of the, uh, you know, through the bank, it was just really, it's like, wow, like this is, a whole nother world that people need to know about because I'm dealing with clients and people that have no idea, um, you know, they're in financial difficulty and they, they have no idea how they got there. Wow. Right. That's incredible. And, and you know, when, when you say you've learned, you know, what most of what you have wanted at the bank kind of what, other than like financial literacy, um, you know, what other, skills or knowledge did you learn that you say would like help you kind of in your current venture um, right now? Um, definitely would be the, the skill of sales or at least, you know, the skill of sales, interpersonal relationship, um, EQ, that kind of stuff, right? Being able to deal with, you know, not only clients, uh, but coworkers as well, right? So it's like working on a team, um, you know, starting to sound like a, starting to sound like a, a resume, but it's just like, you know, you, you get it right. Um, but I think that, you know, the long answer to your, the, at least the short answer to your question is uh, sales. Um, that's been a common thread through pretty much every single job that I've had in, in, in uh, you know, my career, right? My first job being a telemarketer, 
So yeah, uh, I think, you know, I alluded to that yesterday when we were talking, um, but yeah, it's like they put you for eight hours on this auto dialer. You can't stop. The computer just keeps dialing. Like once, once the call is ended or the person hangs up, it automatically dials again. So you're kind of stuck on this uh, roller coaster ride of like, you know, it's like, Oh, you know, I want off. Right. Um, but yeah, that, you know, that really uh, helped me develop at least, um, you know, my ability to talk to people and yeah, and so on and so forth throughout um, my career. Right. It's like, working at uh, Savon, working at Rona, you know, at Zellers, even back in the day when we saw Zellers um, wow. as the yeah. cashier, right? So I was like, working at a cashier at a bunch of these places and guess what? Like all these places have uh, credit card sales, right? It's like, hey, push these credit cards, right? It's like, right. this is how we generate revenue. Um, and then, you know, even to, uh, you know, uh, the retail clothing store. It's like, all right, you know, what are your targets? So, so this common thread of, of, of being able to drive business and, and really having the skill of sales where it's, uh, at least in my mind, the ability to, uh, to communicate with somebody and empathize with them and help them to the mm. point where they go with the solution that, uh, that, that you're offering. Mm. Um, and then now to Memento where I'm, you know, essentially the, the client facing guy, right? So I'm the first guy that, that everyone sees, uh, at this point anyways. Um, yeah. So I'm having those conversations and, uh, being on the sales side. Yeah. That's really cool. Again, I think back to, um, your point earlier about financial literacy, I think sales, um, and interpersonal <laughs> skills, uh, is another thing that school doesn't really teach you or at least not, they don't have a concrete structure course around that, but, but it's so important, like the soft skills of just how to deal with people, how to communicate, how to get your idea across, um, how to empathize with people and, and really just understand and relate to them enough that, you know, that, you know, for a fact that whatever you're pitching them, um, is actually to in their benefit and you're really helping them. So, yeah. Um, that's that's a great point that you that you came. but i'm curious to see because you went you know worked in banking for five years i'm pretty sure like you seem like you know you figured out your shit and you were sorry part of my language but <laughs> you're like climbing up the ladder really fast and you probably got to a pretty good salary um and to just all of a sudden say peace it i'm gonna go like to garrison like tell me about that transition because you know when people have such a stable career and they kind of you know are constantly growing where they they know where they're going to be in a couple of years to just give that up and just jump into a brand new venture like i'm curious yeah. to see kind of your thought process and you know what made you take that leap of faith um well what you said john uh, like i knew where i was going to be in a couple of years that was exactly it right um and i didn't like it to be completely honest you know i was i was at the bank and in a couple of years, I could look down a couple offices to me and I knew exactly the life that I would have, right? It's like, I knew exactly the money I, I would be making, uh, the hours that I'd be working, the kind of people that I would be dealing with. And quite frankly, at that time, I didn't really want it. Um, to, you know, I think, uh, you know, the bank, the, the bank was great for, you know, helping me build, a, you know, again, all these, all these soft skills and, and um, uh, sort of my initial foray into the corporate world. Um, but uh, it really didn't serve me after that point. Like I really felt, um, I mean, a year before I even left the bank, I was already feeling quite burnt out. Like we were working long hours. 
And uh, it just really felt like I wasn't building anything for myself. And for me to think it's like, wow, I have another, you know, at the time I was, I was like 23, I think 23, uh, 23, probably even 22. And I was like, I have another, you know, X number of years of this, 40 years of this, right? 50 years of this uh, before it's over. And, you know, you talk about the, like, like the 40, 40 plan, right? It's like 40 hours a week. It was more like, you know, 50, 60 hours a week. Um, and for another 40 years, I'm like, I don't think I can keep running on this particular treadmill. Um, not, you know, and it's like, not even, uh, not even, uh, it's not even for the idea of like this whole financial freedom thing or, or passive income thing where it's like, oh, I, you know, I really wish I didn't have to wake up early, but it was like this, this job doesn't light my soul on fire. Like this job doesn't light me up. And I don't feel like I'm building something for myself. And that's, and that's really, you know, one of the big reasons why I left. I, just, I left cold Turkey. I had no idea what I was going to do. Um, but I gave them ample time to, you know, transition my portfolio, right? So I gave them sort of like six months notice where I was really good friends with the, the manager at the time. I was like, hey, I don't think this is for me. And he was very understanding. And, you know, uh, I like did my last six months there. And, and when I left cold Turkey, I, I had no idea what I want to do. I mean, to be completely honest, for the first month, I was... You know, I was, I was in a depressive state in the sense where I'm like, man, wh what did I do? <laughs> like, I just, you know, I just kind of jumped off the cliff. Um, I don't have any income. And uh, yeah, I was just kind of in free fall until, uh, you know, just like looking at different things, uh, just spinning my tires until really uh, my business partner for my suit business, uh, Garrison at the time, uh, just hit me up. And it was really, uh, you know, just out of the blue, he calls me up and he's like, you know, hey, Richard, uh, hey, Rich, you're the, you know, the, you're the most stylish guy I know. Um, I got an opportunity to work with these guys out of Toronto to do custom suits. Are, are you in? And, uh, you know, it was like one of those moments where you just get the call, right? It's like, yeah, I'm in, let's do it. Right. I didn't, I didn't think of anything. It's like, I wasn't doing very much else at the time. And I just jumped right into it. That's yeah. amazing. Wow. And you just, you, what gave you, I guess, the confidence to take that jump off the cliff? Because I feel like a lot of people are, are stuck um, in a similar situation, but they feel like they don't see a better future or a better opportunity, or they don't know of it yet, or they don't, haven't really discovered what lights them up. And they're kind of just stuck in this rut of, okay, like I'm, complacent i don't really like what i'm doing or love what i'm doing but i have no other options so i'm just going to continue doing it right and then you get to five ten years down the road and they're still in the same place stuck at their their job working long hours not really seeing a future potential but they just feel like they can't get out so i'm curious to see like how what made you kind of take that jump initially um, for me at that time, I, like, I, I think my motivations have definitely evolved since then, but for me at that time, I feel like I had hit my threshold of suffering. Wow. And Dang. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I think everyone has their, their own threshold of suffering where it's like, this is the line that I hit where it is the brick wall and I can't do this anymore. And for different folks, it's really different. Uh, people have different thresholds, right? Some people are lifers, right? Some people never hit that threshold. And, you know, as you know, um, right? Like you'll, you'll see people in jobs uh, their entire career and there's nothing wrong with that, right? Like mm -hmm. some people just have a really high tolerance uh, for suffering or they really enjoy what they're doing, right? Um, 
you know, as much as we talk about uh, rich dad, poor dad, it's like, I'm not going to, you know, knock on anybody who, who, you know, is taking a, a sort of a traditional career as well. Right. I mean, uh, you know, case in point, my sister, right. My sister is a uh, career uh, business consultant, right. So she works um, for a firm out in Amsterdam and she's been doing that, uh, you know, business consulting since she left. And, and we always have these conversations as siblings. It's like, you know, the entrepreneurial side or the sort of the, the job side, I guess, if you want to call it that, right. The, you know, the salaried side. And, uh, you know, we have, we have these, uh, very pleasant conversations, right. It's like, it's not necessarily one or the other or black or white. It's like, you know, whatever, however you need to feed yourself and live your life. Right? Mm. No, I really liked how you kind of address that. Cause I feel like nowadays a lot of people kind of, um, put entrepreneurship on a pedestal and, and really got to see if, if it's really like what, makes you you know want to go for it like if it's really for you because it does involve a lot of sacrifice hard work and struggles and getting punched and knocked down and you just have to get back up so um, i'm glad that you clarified that for our audience which is really really nice to see kind of both sides and again there's no right or wrong answer it's just what works best for you yeah 100 percent. like that's um and i find i think speaking to the entrepreneurship piece uh i'm a pretty introverted person by nature um i'm not a, i think it takes me a, a lot more energy to talk to people than say for instance an extrovert <clears throat> uh so what i realized at the bank and I, what i realized through my uh, through my career you know working at all these different jobs is like uh, in the back of my mind i had an idea that i really didn't like sales i really you know felt it was you know uh maybe icky or like just energy draining for myself and it wasn't until, um, you know, maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves here, but it really wasn't until I started my own business that I realized how much entrepreneurship and sales go hand in hand. And the reality of that was just really thrust upon me. Uh, you know, when I started Garrison and they're like, okay, well, we have no, we have literally no business right now. Nobody really quote unquote cares how much you, you know about custom suits and dressing well. Um, how do you get your message across? And it wasn't until then that it was very apparent to me. That I was like, man, like to be an entrepreneur is to be, you know, having a certain level of salesmanship. And there's really no way to get around that. Like it, you know, it's a sort of a, it comes with the territory. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, and that's when I really started learning um, sales, really started building that sales skill set uh, at Garrison. And, you know, I was, I'm very thankful to have some really great mentorship, um, you know, both in Will, who's been in, who had been in the suit industry for a while at that point, and also our partners um, from Toronto as well, just like masterful, masterful um, at being at those sort of consultative sales, right? I mean, at Garrison, we were selling, you know, three, $4,000 suits and, uh, you know, the experience a person expects from a, that kind of price tag of suit is very different than someone walking into, um, you know, for instance, your, your local department store and buying something uh, for prom, right? Uh, so we had to get really good at, um, you know, obviously building rapport with our clients. Um, but I really think the way it was presented to me in Toronto was weaving multiple narratives together. So, um, and like being a real, being really masterful at that. So, so the idea being is like, you know, we're in a console and, you know, this can be applicable to, to real estate, to mortgages, you know, mm -hmm. whatever kind of, um, you know, high ticket sales, if you want to call it that, right? Um, 
in the sense that it's like we're really weaving multiple narratives together in the sense where it's like the first first narrative being um it's like how can i help you today right it's like how can we help you uh, with your immediate need of, of getting a suit mm-hmm. then there's also a, another narrative of like oh the fact that we're like building rapport we're being friends uh i'm you know running form on you, right? Where it's like, oh, family, uh, occupation, uh, recreation, that kind of stuff, right? And really figure out like who you are as a person having this genuine curiosity. And then there's another narrative of a long-term relationship as well, where I'm weaving that in as well, where it's like, how can we work together, not only on this suit, but to build out your entire wardrobe? Wow. Right, or like, or, you know, work with you on your entire, whatever, real estate portfolio, right? Um, And you're trying to weave these three, juggle these three things together um, all while, you know, kind of gluing it together or the glue of it being, uh, you know, playful banter and, and small talk. Um, it's like, how can a person do that? And, you know, just watching, uh, you know, some of our partners from Toronto do this, I was like, wow, this is like, this guy's really masterful at it. Um, and that was when I was like, man, I, like, I really want to get good at this. I really want to get good at uh, being able to help people, really. That's really, really amazing. I again, it's it it sales is kind of at at the core of entrepreneurship, um, really. And I think it's even more clear, like now that you know we've kind of gone through your journey of how you kind of put everything together. Um, in terms of like being able to help people or brush up on your sales skills, um, again, being from you know like selling a, i guess how did you go learn sales um in a different industry in a different package like a high ticket item like you know you mentioned the importance of learning sales but like how did you go about doing that was it from observing what other successful people were doing? Um, was it from asking mentor questions? Like, how did you really brush up on your sales skills? That's a great question. Um, I think a huge part of that is, I mean, for me at least, I like to learn by observation. So mm-hmm. like, uh, not only watching people in, uh, in consults, but, uh, you know, shadowing, right? Like just being in consults with the person and then eventually taking the reins and, and taking over. Uh, the consult and running one myself. Um, I think the actual brass tacks of it is really just um, getting a bunch of scripts, right? So they like generate a bunch of scripts for you. It's like, okay, follow these scripts for the time being. Um, And I was really good at following scripts from my telemarketing days. Like I was literally reading word for word, Um, you know, without any intonation inflection, you can imagine this, like, you know, whatever the, whatever the legal working age is, I think I was like 13 at the time, 14, Um, you know, just reading the scripts to get donations or something. And, uh, you know, fast, fast forward to, to my garrison days, it's like, oh, wow, it's like still a script, right? Um, surprise, surprise. So, uh, you know, really working, working on the script, but also making it my own as well. Mm. Um, in the sense where I'm weaving the narrative into the script, like what that we just talked about, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we have, you know, the script accompanied by some kind of presentation, right? So typically it'd be like a slideshow. Um, even at Memento Digital, it's also a slideshow, right? Um, but as opposed to, you know, giving people flashbacks to, to college, right? Like, you know, lecturing them and, and, and sort of having this one side of conversations, really being able to have, uh, you know, this sort of two-sided back and forth conversation and weaving the presentation or the information that you want to get across the story uh, into that conversation. Mm. 
Wow. So, so really to take it to another level is, is not really sales, but more storytelling, I think, and being able to tailor your message to that individual in a way that it matters and it serves them and it helps them accomplish their goal or fix their problem. Yeah. And it's like having them come to that conclusion. Wow. You have to, you have to inception them, right? It, if it comes from your mouth, it doesn't, what is it? Tell it. Telling is selling. Mm. Yeah. People like the consumer this day, these days, they're way too, you know, they're super educated. They, you know, a lot of them know what they want and there's the internet that exists. Right. So, um, the, you know, people don't like to necessarily be sold, uh, in this day and age, you know, as you know, and, and most of your guests have probably have t- probably told you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's more about building. It's not really about selling or sales, but more about building relationships and really f- getting to the core of, you know, what they're about, who they are and tailoring your message to help them. Is that, is that right? Yeah. hundred percent. Um, a person typically won't buy from, from you if they don't like you. Right. So that's sort of like the baseline level one. It's like some level of rapport is built, you know, some level of expertise is demonstrated. Um, yeah, those are sort of the, the, the ba- at least the basic ingredients. Um, and then from there, it's, it's really, um, and, and I think one of the, the biggest things I learned at the bank, at least dealing with such a diverse uh, number of people is really being able to build rapport with someone quickly. So at least having, um, and that really, I think it was at that point where I was like, you know, dealing with a whole ton of different clients where I really broadened my horizons in terms of just, just knowledge, right? Just basic knowledge. I remember I was at, um, I was actually at at church one time and, and, you know, I was talking about something and someone's like, man, you're really smart. And I'm like, am I really smart? Like, I'm not, and I'm like, no, I'm not necessarily super smart. I just have a a really broad, um, broad knowledge. Uh, of a lot of different subjects so I can kind of you know uh, shoot the shit with with uh, anybody who walks into my office right where it's like whether it's you know you're in I don't know health sciences and I can talk about that or uh, if you're into sports right I have like a baseline knowledge of sports I play sports as well right I play basketball um, and I think uh, the actually one of the biggest things I learned from uh, our garrison partners was being able to if you can explain something in the form of an analogy, then you can really like, you can really get that message across, but that also means that you really understand, understand it. Mm. That makes sense. So um, one of the things I saw that was insanely masterful and I took, uh, I took a lot from it was uh, one of the, one of the top uh, sales guys from Garrison Toronto uh, our, you know, our partner, uh, he would be able to create analogies that were relevant to the other person on the spot. Wow. Hey, this is a, you know, this person's a car guy. It's like, oh, this is the, you know, whatever, this is the Acro, this is the BMW, whatever X series or whatever it is. Right. Um, so he's, he would be able to craft, um, split second analogies just like in his mind on the spot. And it was, and it was actually quite amazing to see. Right. So it's like, oh, I know John, he's a realtor. Right. So like, oh, I have a whole database back pocket analogies for realtors to get the mm. point across. So it like, you know, it hits a couple of buttons, right? It's like, oh, number one, it, it's like, oh, I get it. You know, sort of that transference of, of knowledge of communication. But number two, it's like, oh, this person understands me. Number three, it's like, wow, like this person's pretty knowledgeable. Expertise mm. is demonstrated. Um, so for me, like we even got to the point um, where I was just writing out 
we had an analogy bank where it was like just write out a bunch of analogies for people in different industries. And, and it's like, oh, this, you know, this fabric is like XYZ, uh, this fabric is like ABC, right? And mm -hmm. it's like relative to their industry. So they would like, yeah, so we, we would really be able to uh, communicate and supercharge uh, our communication. And by doing that too, you're also like building rapport super fast because A, yes. it's relatable, A, you're knowledgeable and, you know, you get me, like, I understand, I might not understand fabric, but if you said X fabric was like, you know, a condo in Burnaby or, you know, or like a townhouse yeah. in Surrey or like exactly. something like that, or yeah. like a car, like a Beamer, Acura, Lexus, this model, yeah. this tier, it's like, okay, like I, I, I get it. It's like, oh, all right. So that's why the price point and, and everything just kind of makes sense from there. Yeah. That's really, that, that's a really good point that you made. Um, so I'm curious to see how you got, I guess, to from garrison to momenta, like where you are now, like how did that transition happen? Um, you know, did you feel like you've learned as much as you wanted to learn and then you just kind of jumped into this or kind of how did that process happen? I'd, I'd love to hear about yeah. that. Yeah, so garrison was a really good crash course to me in running a business, right? We were running a brick and mortar, it was retail. And one thing that I very quickly realized was the fact that um, retail wasn't hyperscalable in the sense where, uh, you know, I was, I was kind of restricted to, you know, working at the store and I felt like I was in, in retail again. Um, it was like, I had to lead the team and, and, you know, obviously be there and open up shop and close shop. And, um, and I think for me, I guess to sort of speak in the, in the language of, uh, you know, the rich dad, poor dad quadrant, it, you know, I was kind of stuck in the S quadrant, right? Sort of the, the, the self kind of the self-employed quadrant um, in the sense where I'm like, if I'm not, uh, you know, if I don't, if I'm not putting chalk on someone or putting a measuring tape on someone, I'm not really making any money. Mm. And it was really hard for us to transition from S to B just be, uh, just because, uh, you know, obviously the overheads because of, of being in retail, having to pay someone to stand in the shop all, all day. Um, and also, you know, just simply hiring uh, enough people and, and having enough pool of talent of people that were really interested in custom suits um, to be able to build out of that team. So for me, it was like, I instantly ran into some sort of scaling problems. And uh, it was in that, so it was during Garrison where our first real big problem kind of emerged, which was how do we get clients? Sort of a very, you know, sort of the quintessential business question, like how do we get more people, right? Right. Like, like uh, we have a great product, how do we get more people in the door? And um, I, you know, instinctively turned to digital marketing. I, you know, I've, I had heard of this before and, uh, you know, I, I really, uh, you know, I was really able to get some good results for us. Um, and how I did that was I turned to a friend of mine, Diwan, um, as you probably know, and, and he's actually, you know, kind of the funny, funny story is he's actually the guy who taught me digital marketing. Like he's sort oh, of the, wow. the grandmaster of it all. Right. Um, so he taught me, uh, his SEO side of things, right. So search engine optimization. Um, so I, you know, built a site for, uh, Garrison Vancouver, we ranked it and we start business started coming in and it, it was, it was, um, it was pretty solid at that point where it's like, wow, like I was able to, uh, get our message across to these people without having to, dial every single number on my on my uh, list and uh you know and, and we're getting business right i mean uh you know i think you're pr pretty familiar with seo uh, yourself john like when i searched john lee on on google you were the you know you got to give your seo guy a bonus because you know it's 
you know, it's a relatively common name. And it's like your, your name popped up on the, whatever the Google, my business uh, listing, right? I'm like, okay, well, this is, this is John Lee. And you know, he must've done you know, an SEO guy did a bang up job, right? Whoever, whoever it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you, you get it, right? No, I appreciate that. Um, yeah. And uh, just quickly shout out to the one um, and also to Will too, uh, you know, two phenomenal individuals uh, in Vancouver as well. And they're both uh, crushing it and, and doing amazing things. So I'm really, really happy that, that I guess, you know, it's your journey kind of interwoven with um, these, both of these amazing individuals. Um, so from learning about SEO um, and digital marketing, um, you know, a question that most people would have is like, okay, like they want, you know, taught you kind of how to do it, but like, did you like, did you learn by doing by just kind of YouTubing or did you learn by kind of observing what they want was doing and then kind of, how did you learn about digital marketing beyond the fact that, you know, you had a friend that was in an industry, but you know, how did you really, uh, God get good at doing it, I guess. Yeah. So, um, I mean, again, yeah, like to your, to your point, shout out to D1 because he was, he actually let me shadow him in his agency. So I was like kind of working sort of a working friendship inter internship in his agency, um, while I was at Garrison sort of part-time and I was seeing sort of the ins and outs of, of what he did. And, um, you know, to the point where we're like, uh, I'm helping him, you know, uh, run certain campaigns uh, for a client or at least like, you know, certain bills for a client, um, but also more importantly, sitting in with him on his client interactions as well and learning the lingo and how to deal with um, sort of digital clients as opposed to, to suiting clients. Interesting. Yeah. So being able to see behind the curtain, I was like, wow, this is like a really, uh, really amazing industry. And it's like, it's also quite scalable. Like I get to be able to work from wherever I want in the world. Mm. as opposed to being tethered to a brick and mortar. Um, you know, so I was having those thoughts, you know, like a half a year before uh, Corona hit and, uh, you know, and then Corona became really the nail in the coffin, uh, or, you know, earlier this year where it was like, okay, we have a brick and mortar. It's not, you know, really feasible. Like our, you know, our business just dropped, right. Just because just by nature of people not wanting to, be touched by another guy in, in, in close proximity, right? Like, you know, with a measuring right. tape, right? Um, or have events to attend too, right? Yeah. Like all these exactly. things were. Yeah, to drum, drum business and, and stuff like that, right? So it was like, it really, uh, yeah, it really was kind of like the final blow, um, you know, for at least my decision to, to move into uh, digital marketing. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so really, you know, getting my start in Memento, uh, my business partner, my now business partner, Nick, uh, and I started, uh, started it, uh, kind of on a, on a whim, really. Um, what happened was, uh, during, during COVID, we were like looking up different projects to do together. And we actually, uh, one day Nick's like, Hey, um, we both play basketball together. That's how I, you know, that's how I really deepened my relationship with him. Um, I first met him from my men's group, actually. So I run, um, I'm a captain of a, of a, a men's group squad from the Samurai Brotherhood. Um, so, you know, we would play basketball on a, on a weekly basis. And, uh, you know, one day he hits me up and he's like, Hey, do you want to build a, um, a basketball vertical jump program, uh, 
uh, course, right? I'm like, okay, sure, let's do it, right? Like, I'm not, you know, <laughs> like I'm in between things right now. I'm juggling things, juggling things right now, and I'm like, okay, let's do it. So we like, literally, in 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 two months, we were able to not even two months, maybe like a month and a half, we were able to build out this jump program, and like, we put it online, and we broke even on it. And it was like, it was like such an interesting. And I was like, wow, this is proof of concept. And, you know, one thing led to another and, and, and we were like, Hey, uh, we work really well together. Let's do the agency thing together. And, um, and that's how Memento was born. Memento digital. Yeah. Awesome. I, uh, that's, that's really funny. I love how you're, you kind of just go with the flow and you kind of let opportunities come to you without kind of judging it or, um, having predetermined expectations of what's going to happen but rather just let it be and um when you're in the moment you kind of just learn to observe like you're really good at that and kind of figure out like how this could lead to potentially another opportunity so i think that's one thing that you know i need to do better is just to not judge things by its face value uh, but rather just kind of like you know like sure, let's give it a shot. Let's see where it takes me. No expectations, no nothing. And then, you know, it might, one thing might lead to another kind of like where you're the position that you're in with Memento. Um, again, digital marketing agency, it's uh, a lot of people are doing it right. Very competitive industry. Um, there's a variety of social media platforms um, out there that you can generate traffic from, uh, you know, like Google, SEO, PPC, YouTube, obviously Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, um, TikTok too. Now I think you can do that. So um, my question is uh, why mortgage brokers and kind of what do you guys specialize in and, and why? Yeah. So um, that's a great, great question, John. So kind of the short answer to why mortgage brokers is when we were starting our agency, we were generalists and one of our first clients was a mortgage broker. Just, just sort of a local acquaintance of mine, a friend of mine. Uh, and it was like, okay, let's go into mortgage, like mortgages. I have a, I have a baseline background uh, in, in mortgages from the bank, right? My, uh, my book was actually a lot of lending and a, not very much investments. Oh. Um, you know, so I'd be like writing a whole ton of mortgages uh, and I was like, yeah, I like, I can speak the lingo. I can like relate to these people. Um, I'm like, let me, you know, be the client facing person and Nick, uh, you know, you've got my back on the, on the back end, Right. And that's how our roles kind of came about. Um, so yeah, it's like not a really glamorous story. It's like, oh yeah. Like one of our first clients was a mortgage broker. <laughs> it's like, let's, let's pick that niche. <laughs> um, yeah. And in terms of, um, I guess figuring out what, sort of platform or method of generating or driving traffic? Um, you know, did you guys kind of do everything or is it more tailored towards a certain platform or how did you guys figure that out? So we really wanted to do something that was very scalable. And for us, at least what we realized, um, or at least what we, what I knew from experience was that, um, you know, uh, if, if you know something about digital marketing, it's like the SEO side wasn't necessarily hyperscalable um, to the point, you know, if we were looking to, you know, build a portfolio of, you know, 50 clients, 50 clients to 100 clients in that ballpark. And what we realized, uh, you know, we, we got a bunch of uh, coaching along the way as well uh, for our agency was that uh, Facebook ads were a lot more, uh, not only scalable, because kind of taking a step back, uh, John, the, 
we found at least in our in our niche the biggest thing is not necessarily where the the number of leads sort of the the, the quantity but rather the quality of the leads so mm. you know whether we were grabbing the the lead from instagram facebook um you know which is the same platform uh google or seo uh the biggest factor in at least our industry from what i understand is uh, you know, being able to scrub the leads, qualify them, right? It's like, hey, what's your credit score? What's your gross annual income? That kind of stuff before we send it off to our clients. Mm. Um, so to kind of answer your questions, like it didn't necessarily matter a whole lot uh, where we were getting the, the leads from, right? Uh, Nick was versed on Facebook ads. So we're like, okay, let's go with that, right? Um, but I think the real, the real crux of this is building a robust system to be able to filter these people. And, and to make sure that they're you know, qualified before we send them off to our, our mortgage brokers. And that's something that, that we're constantly refining and getting better at as well. We really want to take full ownership of, of the, uh, yeah, of the, like the marketing arm of a mortgage broker. That's, that's really valid point. That's a really valid point. Yeah. I think because I feel like at any given moment in time, people are curious about buying a home or they've always wanted to buy a home, own their first home or buy another one for investment. So there's always that demand and curiosity for, you know, getting a mortgage, but, or buying a property, but are they qualified to, and are they in a financial position to do so? And if they're not like, how can we educate them to put them in a better position, maybe in a couple of years time or, these are the things that they have to address with their, you know, credit or pay off their debt or whatever it takes. So at least, you know, you build that rapport and then maybe in a couple of years down the road, they might be ready to, to make a decision. So um, I think you've really, you guys have kind of figured it out. Like it's about the, the quality part too. Cause you know, even I've tried to do some digital marketing just kind of on my own and also had, um, an agency helped me out too, but I was struggling with the, the quality of leads. There's just an overabundance of quantity that it's hard to kind of filter everything on my own and you kind of lose track yeah. of clients. Like just things slip through the cracks, right? And yeah. then you follow up with this client that, you know, was kind of flaky, but then they're like, oh, we bought already. It's like, oh, shit. Uh, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was kind of yeah. chasing, you know, a lot of clients around with, you know, with my head cut off chicken yeah. around with their head off or whatever so um, but that was a real struggle whereas if I had kind of a system in place for all of that where I could just get in touch and follow up with the cream of the crop you know the yeah. maybe the 20 percent that were you know more serious than it would have been easier for me so you know props to you guys for for figuring that out and yeah. I guess with any new business that you start it's like people always ask like oh like how did you guys get clients initially like you know how did you get your message across? So you, did you guys leverage like digital marketing plat or social media platforms to do that too? Or how are you guys uh, doing lead generation? Or So now we are doing uh, running Facebook ads for ourselves. Like, yeah. You know, we want to be able to practice what we preach as well. And we're getting a lot of business from there. Yeah. Um, but to start off, I mean, really, we didn't have like a full offer crafted. I was just cold calling, right? I was like, Oh, what niches, um, like would need more business right now. I'm like, oh, I'm calling like accountants. All of a sudden I'm calling dentists uh, during COVID, which doesn't make yeah. any sense, um, <laughs> right? So it was just like, it was really like this trial and error where I'm just like, 
I need to pick up the phone and start dialing and, and uh, you know, just start paddling, right? Um, somewhere, anywhere and, and just start moving. So I was just, I was just like doing cold calls. So to, to answer your question. Yeah. Respect. Yeah. Just, uh, just keep moving. Right. It, like, and yeah. there's just never a failure. I feel like it's, it's always a learning opportunity. You know, you know, you, you, like you say, you go call dentist during COVID. It's like, oh shit. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like I know that niche probably doesn't work too well. Yeah. It's like, oh, most people are probably not too worried about their teeth right now, but like you learn like from doing, which is, I think hundred percent. That's a hundred percent what it is. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you, glad you said that. Cause uh, you know, you, you get a lot of like, for instance, Gary V, you get a lot of like take massive actions. Like, yes, that's great. Um, and I think for me, the re like, at least the way that I interpreted it and the way, uh, that I realized it was, um, someone explained to me, it was like, you can't, you can only steer a boat in motion. Mm. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. you can only steer a boat in motion. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, what that really meant was uh, taking massive action. Yes, is great to you know obviously move forward. One of the real valuable aspects of taking action is the feedback. Correct. The feedback loop. It's like oh, like I'm doing like you know I can theorize about doing this business venture all I want, and you know run spreadsheets and write the pros and cons. Sure, yes, analyze it and make sure that it's robust. Um, but don't get into a state of analysis paralysis, right? Where um, you know, all of a sudden I'm just like daydreaming about having this, um, you know, other business and I, I've never taken any action on it and I don't even know if it's viable or not. Um, so for me, uh, you know, even, even just the cold call in different industries is a little, uh, you know, uh, sample of that where I'm like, okay, I need to guess and test my assumptions, right. In, mm. in the scientific method. That's really awesome, Richard. And so I guess how long have you guys been working on this agency for? Um, you know, kind of what's, where are you guys at right now and kind of what's your five-year plan for, for this agency? Yeah. So we've been working on it for almost a year at this point. So about a year at this point. And, um, like what we're working on right now is really refining our offer, really refining our offer and building it out to the point where we can provide, uh, more and more value to our clients, uh, and that's where really where, where we're at in terms of five years. I mean, to be completely honest and transparent with you, like I wanted to be able to build out the offer so strong uh, to the point where, uh, you know, like not only the lead gen side, but we wanted the full package, right? It's like, we want to build out sales scripts for the mortgage brokers because it's mm-hmm. like, like really taking full ownership of success in their business. It's like, okay, what are the roadblocks here? Right. It's like, a bunch of these people don't know how to deal with online leads. Let's build out scripts and, and like, heck, even a course around that. Mm. And then the other thing would be, um, it's like, how do I build a team? Right. The next step is like, okay, how do I leverage other people's time and get to that B quadrant? I said, okay, I need to hire on associates. How do I hire on associates or how do I hire on, you know, um, other, uh, you know, in, in the States to be loan officers or mortgage brokers. So, um, so we build out a course on that, right? So we do our research and build a course on that. And to the point where we have this, um, really this like all in one mortgage, mortgage business in a box solution where we can wow. just hand it over to someone, heck, even like to the point where even I could do it, right? It's like, I can walk out, get my license and, you know, just get back into mortgages if I ever wanted to. Right. That's sort of the, that's sort of the game plan where it's like, someone wants to do this and serve, you know, serve people, uh, by doing mortgages here, here's, um, your starting point and here like here's your battle plan right that's super amazing yeah again to have that vision there uh to be 
well-rounded and just be that one source of information or marketing or knowledge or to, to get people to, to help them get started or even to grow their business 10 X. Yeah. Yeah. You don't really see, I don't think people are so specialized in like specific, like they only take in one part of the funnel, I think, but there's, there's like, again, there's a back end, there's a front end. It's a whole process. And if you just come in and help out with, you know, part of it, you don't really know how to do in the other five steps or six steps of the funnel. And, you know, things might get lost in between and that might affect their business. And, but really it's like, you're doing your part, but you got to make sure that they know what they're doing for the other parts too. And building trust as well. And then that partnership, I think that's, that's brilliant. Um, so far, like, you know, with COVID and, and everything, I don't know if that was kind of the biggest problem that you guys faced thus far, but I'm curious to see kind of what was the biggest <laughs> obstacle you guys had to overcome, um, you know, during your first year in business and kind of how did you guys um, solve that problem? Yeah. Um, my first, my first gut instinct uh, at least uh, was sales. Like, so the issue was we we're having a really hard time closing clients. So I had to get, I had to get to the next level in sales um, in terms of just really getting better. And, you know, from my evolution from, you know, Garrison and, and sort of learning the basics of, you know, that consultative sales, um, there's a couple of things I really need to work on. And uh, I realized uh, maybe not so quickly that sales was a skill set that people needed to practice, that people could practice. And it wasn't like an innate, uh, a sort of an innate, either you have or you don't, um, which was like, you know, my mind was constantly telling me, oh man, like you're not, you know, made out for this or, uh, you're an introvert. Like, what are you doing in sales? You should fi find someone who's extroverted to do this. Um, but I realized like, you know, much like any sport or basketball, this can be trained. Mm. So Nick and I started drilling sales every morning, right? Just doing, doing scripts, uh, having conversations to the point where, um, you know, stuff started, you know, rolling off my tongue. Uh, I was able to, uh, you know, at least put a certain part of, you know, one of the narratives on autopilot, right? Like our offer on autopilot. So I can really, uh, dig down deep into a person's need and also um, build a lot of more rapport with people. So really just uh, really drilling sales. And also uh, for me, I realized uh, that energy was such a, sorry, sales was such an energy management game mm. where, um, you know, me being on a sales call, especially over Zoom, I really had to increase my energy levels or at least my, like my levels of hype, right. Um, <laughs> over zoom to be able to communicate this, right. Cause like I'm, I'm, you know, typically, you know, if you meet me in person, like I'm a typically a pretty calm kind of, kind of chilled out person. Um, you know, but Nick was giving me the feedback. Like you need to get a lot more animated and a lot more energetic when you're in these sales calls. Yes. It's going to, you know, take more energy. Uh, but to be able to transfer that because sales in certain senses is like energy transference, right. Correct. It's like, how can I transfer my enthusiasm? You know, I, I actually got that one from, uh, you know, Diwan, right? He's like, cause I was like watching him in his, in his sales. And I'm like, how, what's the science of this? And, and he was like really hype and, and uh, sort of like really enthusiastic. I'm like, oh man, like these people, this enthusiasm is contagious. Mm. And, and this excitement is contagious. Um, you know, and he, and he explained to me, he's like, yes, transference of, uh, in our case, uh, excitement. And I'm like, okay, interesting. So sales is a transference of energy. It's like, how is my energy being? If I'm just being very kind of lackadaisical or like very chill 
or nonchalant about things is like, oh, or like playing hard to get. It's like, yeah, we, you know, we might not be a good fit or like, um, you know, it's like, yeah, we could work together or we could not work together. Right. Um, how is the prospect going to feel? Right. How, what's the energy rubbing off, off, off me versus like, man, yeah, like I like want to be here. I want to help. You know, that, that. That, that's sort of the mantra that I've been muttering to myself before a lot of my uh, consults, right? It's like, I want to be here. I want to help. Right. Versus being checked out and and um like man like this person's wasting my time or like you know this prospect is like just kicking tires right it's like no i want to be here i want to help right whether and you know my messaging to people on these consoles like whether i whether we work together or not if i can point you in the right direction that will have made my day that will have you know that will have served me um you know whether we work together or not and that's you know that's really been sort of the driving mindset behind uh, you know getting a lot more results is like i want to be here i want to help you and let me help you uh, if not me let me show you how to do it right wow that's uh, brilliant it it's amazing how you know i felt like i was expecting some sort of like a big over-the-top answer but it was more of just getting the fundamentals and i feel like that's one thing that a lot of entrepreneurs or business owners or even people that have a career is just we tend to overlook the minor things but really it's the little things that make the difference but we're so caught up with distractions and I guess looking at the bigger picture and that that we forget that you know if our if there's a hole in the basket in our basket or whatever like if it doesn't matter how much water you pour right it's not gonna it's just gonna flow out so yeah um that's that's amazing again just a reality check is just focus on your fundamentals like master that because that's your foundation that's that's gonna get you to you know five floors or 20 floors or you know one 101 floors right It's, it's all about your foundation uh, that you lay for your business so yeah and with like and with uh, regards to sales like if it's energy transference that we're working on yeah then i realized very quickly that it's like oh this whole job this whole you know sales thing is about energy management mm. and the crux of it is 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 like how am i sleeping how much water am i drinking how is my uh you know my exercise fitness and health and nutrition like these very basic fundamentals that are often overlooked people are always like looking for the next i don't know like uh, holy grail script, right? It's like, oh, if I only had this holy grail of a sales script, I would be closing 90% of my, my deals, right? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Right. right? Um, yeah, just like how, have, how many hours have you slept? Like it's sort of a very simple question, um, but I can tell it's like, I've done a lot worse, you know, if I sleep less, you know, it's, it's a very straightforward formula, right? It's not, not rocket science or there's really no secret sauce in this, in this case. I love that. Yeah. A lot of people are looking for that, that one golden nugget or like yeah. Yeah, you're right, the, the secret sauce to closing like, you know, hundred yeah. K, you know, dollars and or, or getting a hundred clients in your first three months of business or digital market or whatever. Like that's, I feel, like you're, I feel like you're reading a bunch of uh, agency ads yeah. <laughs> or course ads. I'm, oh, yeah, man. It's like, oh, this one silver bullet. Or, yeah. It's like, no man, just get some more sleep, dude. Yeah. 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 But, but you're right because again like again missing like lo- overlooking the minor details beyond your business it's like yourself and how you're doing how you're feeling like that is transferred to your day like so again if you're not getting sleep if you're diet shit if you're not working out right or you're, it's like you know in my case i was like overweight like not getting enough sleep stressed out eating junk food like feeling like crap like that's 
that's the energy I'm going to transfer to my day and to the things that I do to the people I interact with to how I carry myself and people aren't, aren't going to vibe with that. You know, it's like, ah, uh, like this guy's eh, like, yeah. eh, it's like an eh energy versus like, yo, like, let's yeah. get it. Let's, you know, let's yeah. go for it. It's a different yeah. energy. And, and I love that you brought that up because that's one thing that a lot of people tend to focus on in business, but the grind, the hustle, you know, but it's really about taking care of yourself because if you're not well, then that reflects on all aspects of your life. Um, we just want to wrap things up here, Richard. I mean, we've, we've had yeah. an amazing conversation about kind of you, how you started, um, you know, from working a corporate job to your first entrepreneurship venture to learn about digital marketing. And really, I'm really excited to see what you guys um, do with Momento and your, your digital marketing agency. But I guess one of the other things that I want to touch on is like relationships because, you know, I know you recently tied the knot. So congratulations. Thank you. Um, it's a big milestone and, you know, for a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, we always have that question of, oh, like, should I just like focus on building my business? Like, should I even have a relationship? Like, I'm curious to see kind of your take on it because I, you know, from talking with you briefly yesterday, you know, it seems like she was, or yeah, your wife is, was at the start of your entrepreneurship journey. And I'm curious to, to kind of see your perspective on, on, if if a relationship is right for for an entrepreneur or when is a when is it right to have a relationship or how do you make things work yeah that's a that's a great bunch of questions <laughs> um so i guess that to like kind of my first answer my disclaimer is like you know obviously it depends right like <laughs> kind of a catch-all uh, diplomatic answer <laughs> um like i know for myself <coughs> I know for my, I know for myself that I operate better in a relationship when I have like a whole, like an emotional home base to go to. And now for some guys, it might not be the same case. Um, but uh, like for me, like, you know, kind of a different source for different folks, but for me, at least like, I know that I operate best when I have uh, this sort of social support system, right? What, uh, especially in my primary relationship, but, but also my, uh, my, my friends, my family as well. And kind of going back to our previous point of, you know, making sure we're, you know, holistically taking care of our lives to be able to operate well and hustle well in our business. Um, I think it, it really serves me in that sense where if I was just kind of head down grinding, <clears throat> isolated really, um, uh, during my work week, it wouldn't serve me. <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, yeah. So it's kind of a, kind of a short answer uh, to it, but um, it's really like it, it works for me. It works for me. Um, I get, you know, my wife, she gives me strength. She, she provides uh, motivation for me in a sense. It's like, Oh, like my why, right. It's like, why am I doing this? I'm doing this to, you know, obviously provide for my family, but build a legacy for my family. <coughs> And uh, yeah, so I think for me, it's like being able to frame it in the sense where this person, uh, this relationship is giving me energy as opposed to taking energy away from me. Because some mm. people could also frame it that way as well, where it's like, oh, I have to, I have to split um, my time between, you know, my, my friendships my, and my family, my relationships and, and business versus, oh, these people are empowering me to do better uh, when I'm on the field. I really love that the mindset shift and it, it all really starts with a thought I guess like before you take any action like it, that's the thought is the first thing that comes to mind um, and 
you know, for yourself, like, again, I, it's dependent on everyone's situation, but in terms of like finding balance between juggling, like you said, um, for yourself, how do you holistically balance your life from, from your point of view um, with, I guess, juggling a business that you're starting, you know, primary relationship, friends, family, um, do you time block or what's kind of your way of finding balance amidst the chaos? If, if that makes that's sense. A, that's a good question. Um, so for me, I like to prioritize things that are valuable to me. It kind of, you know, it kind of sounds very silly to say, but um, aggressively prioritize them. So in a sense, so what are the things that are most meaningful to me? Um, you know, my family, my health, uh, and my business obviously. Right. So it's like, uh, in that order. So, um, like if I, you know, if a person makes their, their own value hierarchy, I think it makes it very easy to make decisions. Right. Where it's like, Oh, like, do I, uh, you know, push those, these extra hours during work or do I, you know, take a break and go work out and then come back. Right. Mm. <laughs> or it's like, do I keep working on the sales script or do I, you know, go spend time, uh, you know, with, with Amanda, my wife. Mm -hmm. Um, so once a person like really sits down and, and like has a, has a think about it, it's like, what is my value hierarchy? Like, what do I stand for? And what, in what order am I prioritizing my life? I think it makes very, it makes it very easy to make decisions. Mm. Um, and, you know, and obviously there's curveballs and, and, you know, tons of different corner cases, right? Like where it's like, if it's crunch time or things need to get done, sure. Right. But having that, having that, um, sort of baseline state of balance um, where it's like, yep. Like, like for instance, yesterday, right? Like I was calling you from the basketball court, right? It's mm -hmm. like, Hey, like I've done a bunch of work for a day. I'm going to go, uh, my workout for the day is shooting hoops, like doing drills. <clears throat> um, and it's like, that's something that really sets me off. Right. And, and it's something that's really um, like, I really love, like one of my favorite things to do is just go to a, a court uh, with a, you know, by myself and just shoot around headphones in listening to you know music or podcast or, or audiobook that's like one of my favorite things to do wow um and yeah it's like you know try to figure out what what the things that light you up or you know light a person up and just keep doing more of those right as long as you know they're healthy and nutritious i think the keyword is nutritious right mm. whether it's nutrition nutritious activities or like eating well exercising or even nutritious relationships right mm -hmm. you, know, you hear so much about like you know, curating and cultivating your friends and, and your social circle. It's like, you know, every interaction, am I getting, uh, you know, nutritious energy from this mm. or is it, is it draining for me and, and, you know, draining my ability to serve. Right. Right. Yeah. And if it is, then, you know, obviously then you make that decision as to yeah. move on or try to make it work or, you know, stay in that relationship. I guess yeah, 100%, 100%. Right. It's, yeah. it's a personal decision. Yeah. That's amazing, Richard. Thank you so much for your time. Honestly, um, we had a great chat about kind of your journey in entrepreneurship and you've shared a lot of uh, life lessons along the way, great analogies um, and just really inspire me, um, you know, to, to definitely take more actions or kind of reevaluate where I'm at, you know, with the Valley hierarchy and, kind of seeing what you've done and, and how I can apply that to my own life. So thank you for your time. Really appreciate it. Um, where can our audience connect with you? Um, how can people reach out to you or just say hi or follow your journey? Um, yeah, I think the, the most, 
I guess the most uh, efficient or the quickest way would be on Instagram. So I'm the rich Wong on Instagram and uh, my email is the rich Wong at gmail.com. So those are the two ways people can find me. Perfect. Very nice chatting to you, Richard. Uh, we'll talk soon. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for having me, John. Absolutely. Take care. All right. Take care. Thank you for listening to the On The Rise podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. The music composition and vocals is done by Graham Best. Your host, of course, is the property shark, Mr. John Lee. Have a wonderful day, and we will, of course, see you next time on our way to the top. Cheers. Cheers.